think of the greatest villains in literature, like Mr. Hyde in Jekyll and Hyde, Mr. Wickham in Pride and Prejudice, Uriah Heep in David Copperfield, Dr. Frankenstein, and of course Hannibal Lecter in The Silence of the Lambs. These are just some of the amazing villains in literature. Some were redeemable, while others never were. We'll talk about this and much more today. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a Writer's Day podcast. My name is Ruth Douthit, and I'm a writer and teacher of writing. And I started this podcast because I love to share what I've learned with those of you out there who love to learn more about the writing craft. So welcome. And today we're going to complete the series I started a few weeks ago called Crafting the Perfect Suspense Thriller. And first we started with the foundation of suspense, and then we looked at building tension through pacing. But today we are going to look at villains. That's right. I recently had a podcast interview with Patricia Bradley and Nancy Mel about villains. And so I thought it would be the perfect way to end this series by talking about how to craft unforgettable villains. And if you like what you hear, please follow me and subscribe to me and be sure to visit my website at Art by Ruth to learn more about me, my books, my artwork, and upcoming podcast episodes. And you'll also receive a free PDF copy of my award-winning book, The Road to Home. So sign up today. Okay, let's get to it. Here at a Writer's Day podcast, we dive into the art of storytelling. And in today's episode, we're peeling back the layers of villainy to uncover the secrets behind creating unforgettable villains. Villains are different, though, than antagonists. So we're going to look at both. From literature to film, villains play a crucial role in captivating audiences and driving narratives forward. So remember, in your story, your villain must drive the narrative, the plot, forward. So here we go. We're going to look at some techniques and strategies that masters have used, uh, like Hitchcock, to create memorable villains. But first, antagonists. An antagonist can be anything opposing the protagonist. It can be another character, the status quo, forces of nature, or even the protagonist himself. So let's look at Ferris Bueller. His parents were antagonists. They may not have realized it, but they were putting obstacles in his path to having a day off from school. And he himself and his friend were also antagonists. So they weren't necessarily villains. But his sister, however, and the principal of the school, they were the villains of the story. They actually wanted to stop Ferris, but do him harm too, especially his sister. So as you can see, an antagonist doesn't always have to be a villain and vice versa. An antagonist in your story could be a coach of your main character, a fellow teammate. It can be a teacher, a friend, a parent. 
anyone who is putting obstacles in your character's way from reaching their goal. Could be a tornado, a hurricane, or a wild animal. Think of all the movies and books you've read that had an animal keeping your hero from reaching the goal, like in The Life of Pi, remember? And some of our favorite suspense novels have blizzards that hit the the character hard and keep them from reaching their goal of finding the missing person or stopping the serial killer. And recently we saw the movie, The Society of the Snow, which is also the movie Alive, another retelling of the famous story about the Uruguayan uh, rugby team. And in that story, it is the Andes Mountains that keep our heroes from reaching their goal of being rescued. And so your antagonist can be any of those things. But a villain is very different. A villain is the opposite of the hero. In contrast to the hero, a villain is usually compelled by a desire to commit acts of cruelty against your villain, acts of immorality against your villain, or society, or any of those, to keep your hero from reaching their goal. Whether you're writing a fantasy book or science fiction or contemporary, your villain is working hard to destroy your hero to keep him or her from reaching their goal. So the role of a villain in storytelling is to create conflict, to challenge your protagonist, and also to drive the plot forward. They don't stop the plot. They keep it going forward. And what I mean by challenging your protagonist, your villain is a great way to show your character attributes of your protagonist. They can, you know, antagonize them enough to bring out the worst in your hero, but also the very best in them too. We're going to go back to Alfred Hitchcock's classic movie, Rear Window. And our villain in that story is Lars Thorwald. The hero of the story is Jeff, played by James Stewart, and he lives across the courtyard in this huge apartment complex from Lars Thorwald. And Lars is not your typical villain, okay? He takes care of his invalid wife, so he seems like a good guy. Wrong. We are given hints that maybe there's something bad in Lars Thorwald, and he just might even have a lover on the side. What makes him a villain? Well, Jeff suspects that he kills his wife. So we know that he's evil, but what caused it? What caused him to kill his wife? Now, we don't know everything about Lars Thorwald, but we do know that something's wrong. He's taking care of his invalid wife. Yet there's a scene in the movie where she actually makes fun of him. He brings her a tray of food. How kind, right? He's taking care of her. And he, we know he has a rose garden out front in the uh, courtyard, and he loves to take care of his roses. When he brings his wife a tray of food, he has a vase with one of his roses in it. She takes it and throws it aside. And he doesn't like that at all. We can see it on his face. So there's trouble in paradise. There's something wrong. His wife belittles him. And then later we see him on the phone laughing it up maybe with a lover we're not sure but his wife spies on him and she actually starts to tease him about it and belittles him 
And this captivates the audience. That's something else that your villain needs to do. Captivate the audience. Now, your villain and your hero must have a connection, though. And your hero has a backstory. Well, guess what? Your villain needs a backstory, too. So take a moment to think about your story and your villain. What caused them to become a psychopath or even a sociopath? What's the difference? Well, a psychopath is an organized, intelligent killer. A sociopath is very disorganized. So, for instance, Ted Bundy. He was a very organized, intelligent killer. He was also a psychopath. Antisocial, this is true, but a psychopath. In that he had a type, a victim, and he selected them. And sometimes he even knew them. And he had a way to approach them. He had a plan. He would kidnap them and then kill them and toss their bodies in the woods where he knew the wildlife would get a hold of them and destroy evidence. He came, though, from a decent home life. He was loved. Contrast that to Richard Ramirez, known as the Night Stalker. He was more of a sociopath and that he often killed randomly just walking into people's garages and into their homes and shooting them, you know, killing them, torturing them sometimes. He didn't really seem to have a set plan in place. He would walk into their home, kill them, and flee. He had no redeeming qualities. Yet, here's his backstory. Contrast this with Ted Bundy. Richard Ramirez was physically and psychologically abused in his home life. He had a horrific home life. He was not loved. So think about your villain. If you were to interview him or her, what would they say about their home life? Were they loved? Did they come from a stable home? Or was it chaotic and crazy? Were they abused? What caused them to go down this path of terror? Ted Bundy, it was analyzed by many FBI profilers that when his mother finally confessed to him that the man he thought was his father was not his father, but his stepfather, Ted Bundy became very resentful and maybe even then started to hate women. And then later on, he had a girlfriend whom he loved very much. And when she broke his heart, broke up with him, they, many of the FBI profilers and close friends of his think that's when his killing spree began because most of his victims resembled her tremendously. The long, dark hair parted down the middle. Think of your villain. He or she has to have a backstory. So even pretend to interview them. How was their home life? What went wrong? What caused them to go down this path of revenge and terror? Something, you have to be able to answer those questions. And now think of a way to connect your main character to that villain. For instance, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. They have a connection. Voldemort, right? And Harry Potter have a connection. So how are you going to connect? Think of the greatest villains in literature, like Mr. Hyde and Jekyll and Hyde, Mr. Wickham in Pride and Prejudice, Uriah Heep and David Copperfield, the White Witch 
in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Dr. Frankenstein, Captain Ahab, Lady Macbeth, and of course Hannibal Lecter in The Silence of the Lambs. These are just some of the amazing villains in literature. Some were redeemable, while others never were. So you have to ask yourself, will your villain be redeemable? That's up to you. Darth Vader was redeemable. The Emperor was not. Voldemort was not. So, how is your villain going to come across? Redeemable or not? Back to Rear Window. Lars Thorwald is the villain, but he isn't imposing. He doesn't wear all black and look creepy. So what does your villain look like? Serial killers tend to look normal. They need to blend in with society if they're going to get away with their crimes. Ted Bunny was good looking, a conservative. He worked on Republican campaigns and he was a law student. He blended in beautifully and was able to fool his victims into going with him. Lars Thorwald looked like an everyman, and that's key for killers who are psychopaths. They need to be able to disappear into society. The audience sort of connects to this man, Lars Thorwald. He looks like a blue-collar worker, and we even start to feel sympathy for him and that he's caring for his invalid wife, yet she belittles him and makes fun of him. So you need to have that part Nancy Mel mentioned that in our podcast interview, where the reader needs to not just despise your villain, but also, in a way, connect with them and even start to sympathize or even empathize with them. When I found out about Richard Ramirez and his background, I did have sympathy for him because he was severely abused. And I thought, what else could he grow up to be except a sociopath after that kind of a childhood, after that kind of an upbringing? So you can make your readers have sympathy and empathy for your villain. When it was revealed who Darth Vader was, I had sympathy for him. And your villain doesn't always have to wear black and look creepy. He or she can just blend right in with society. It makes them harder to find that way. So back to being redeemable. Is your villain redeemable? If you write Christian suspense, you might have a scene where your villain starts to feel bad for his or her crimes. They don't necessarily have to fall down on their knees and surrender to Jesus, but you might have it to where they're rethinking their crimes and that makes them redeemable. So think of Pride and Prejudice. Mr. Wickham, he's an excellent example of how villains in literature aren't always creepy and spooky looking. He's a very handsome, good-looking enough man to catch Lizzie's eye. But we see that he is a liar in Jane Austen's novel. He lies about being mistreated by Darcy. And that complicates the plot, which is what you want in your story. Furthermore, he runs away with Lydia, Lizzie's sister, without intending to marry her, which, according to the social norms back then, would actually lead to the ruination of Lydia's reputation and hurt her family. So now we find out Mr. Wickham is pretty much holding Lizzie's entire family hostage in order to get what he wants, money. What a creep, huh? But when we see him 
when we envision him in our minds, he doesn't look like a creep. He knows how to fit into society. He knows how to act. Yet he is antisocial in that he knows how to go against societal laws and norms. And in the movie, we even see a glimpse that he's probably abusing his wife, Lydia. So is he redeemable in this story? No. Now think of the villain in your story. Who is he or she or it? Is it an alien, a monster, a dragon? And what is their appearance? What is their role and motivation? That's right, they have to have a motivation. And what is their backstory? What is making them do what they're doing? And have you made them captivating? Will your readers want to turn the next page to see what happens? How are you making them captivating? With their brilliance, their looks, their story? Think Mr. Wickham. His story, his pathetic story, drew in Lizzie and the readers of Pride and Prejudice. So how are you drawing in your readers to your villain? Now, in the questions that Patricia Bradley asked me about my villain uh, made me really have to go back and truly analyze this character in my story. And the questions were, why? Why is your villain doing what he's doing? And why now? What's the urgency? And those are questions you need to be able to answer in your story as well. Why is your villain doing what she's doing now? And why now? What's the urgency? So have those answers to those questions. Think of Star Wars. Why is Darth Vader motivated to go after the rebellion and Princess Leia? Why? Well, the droid R2-D2 holds the secret plans to the Death Star that could destroy it and him. But why now? Well, we find out later on the secret about that and his connection to Luke Skywalker. If he can turn Luke to the dark side and join him together, they could defeat the Emperor and rule the galaxy as father and son. Very famous words, right? So we see the urgency with Voldemort. Why? Why is he motivated to go after Harry Potter? Well, remember, only Harry Potter withstood the killing curse of Vada Kedavra. He survived that curse and was the only one who did. And so Voldemort became just nothing but a spirit. And now he's after Harry Potter. What's the urgency? He needs to kill Harry Potter before Harry Potter discovers all the Horcruxes and destroys Voldemort forever. So there's a race, a race to see who can defeat whom, because neither one can live while the other one survives. So you see the urgency, even with Pride and Prejudice. What's the urgency? Well, Mr. Wickham's running out of money, and he sees his chance. If he can marry Lydia, run away with her, and hold her hostage, he can get his money. The urgency is, if he doesn't marry Lydia... That ruins her reputation, and it hurts the family. So now Mr. Darcy heads off to save the day by making sure they marry, and he pays for the wedding, 
and he pays for Wickham's commission too as an officer. So all is well. But you see the urgency? He had to rush off and find them to save Lizzie's family. It's the same with your story. There has to be that urgency involved. Is your villain sick? Is she dying? And she has this one chance to get back at the hero before she dies. Or does your hero have something that your villain desperately needs in order to stay alive? And so the race begins. So that's what your story needs, that sense of urgency. You should be able to answer the questions, why? Why is your villain doing what he or she is doing? And why now? What's the urgency? So remember, your villain is there to move the plot forward, to build that tension and anticipation around the villain's presence. That's what you need to do. You can do that with foreshadowing, ominous clues, and subtle hints at the true nature of your villain. You can make him or her an upstanding citizen, uh, John Wayne Gacy was, and then you start to hint at their true nature. Crafting unforgettable villains is an art form. It's definitely part of the writing craft that every writer needs to work on. And it requires careful consideration of the villain's motivation, characteristics, and their impact on the story. By understanding the nuances of villainy, storytellers can create villains that leave a lasting impression on readers. And you can also elevate your stories to new heights. I thank you so much for joining me on a Writer's Day podcast to learn more about crafting the perfect suspense thriller and learning how to unmask villains, creating unforgettable villains. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. And remember, go out and watch Rare Window by Alfred Hitchcock. You'll love it. It is a fantastic example of beautiful storytelling and by a master director and writer, Hitchcock himself. And uh, I thank you so much for joining me with this series. I hope that you've learned a lot. I know I have, and I'm excited to write more suspense thrillers. And I look forward to reading the stories that you've written. I hope you've been inspired to keep going forward on your writing journey. Don't let those antagonists get in your way. No, overcome those obstacles. Keep going forward, writing something every day because someone out there needs to read your story. And until next time, God bless.